Peter was a young boy who could never live in the moment. When he was in the school, he dreamed of being outside playing, and when he was outside playing, he dreamed of his summer vacation. Peter constantly daydreamed, never taking the time to savor the special moments that filled his days. One morning, Peter was out walking in the forest near his home, and feeling tired, he decided to rest on a patch of grass. Eventually, he dozed off, and after a few minutes of a deep, deep sleep, he heard someone calling his name. Peter! Peter! came the shrill voice from above. As he slowly opened his eyes, he was startled to see a striking woman standing above him. She must have been over a hundred years old, and her snow-white hair dangled like whale below her shoulders like a matted blanket of wool. In this woman's wrinkled hand was a magic little ball with a hole in the center, and out of the hole dangled a long golden thread. Peter, she said, this is the thread of your life. If you pull the thread just a bit, an hour will pass in seconds. If you pull harder, whole days will pass in minutes. And if you pull with all my months, even years will pass in days. Peter was excited by this new discovery. I'd like to have it if I may, he asked. The elderly woman quickly reached down and gave the ball with the magic thread to the young boy. The next day, Peter was sitting in a classroom feeling restless and bored, and suddenly he remembered his new toy. As he pulled a little bit on the golden thread, he quickly found himself playing in his garden. Realizing the power of the magic thread, Peter soon grew tired of being a schoolboy and longed to be a teenager, with all the excitement that that phase of life would bring. So again, he held the ball and pulled hard on the golden thread. Suddenly, he was a teenager with a very pretty girlfriend named Elsie. But Peter still was not content. He had never learned to enjoy the moment and to explore the simple wonders of every stage of his life. Instead, he dreamed of being an adult. So again, he pulled hard on the thread and many years flew by in an instant. And now he found he was transformed into a middle-aged adult. Elsie was now his wife, and Peter was surrounded by a house full of kids. But Peter noticed something else. His once jet black hair had started to turn gray. And his mother, whom he loved so dearly, had grown old and frail. Yet Peter could still not live in the moment. He had never learned to live in the now. So once again, he pulled on the magic thread and waited for changes to appear. Peter now found that he was a 90-year-old man. His thick, dark hair had turned white as snow, and his beautiful young wife, Elsie, had also grown old and had passed away a few years earlier. His wonderful children had grown up and left home to lead lives of their own, and for the first time in his entire life, Peter realized he had not taken the time to embrace the wonders of living. He had never gone fishing with his kids or taken a moonlight stroll with Elsie. He had never planted a garden or read those wonderful books to his children that his mother had read to him. 
Instead, he had hurried through life, never resting to see all the good along the way. Peter became very sad at his discovery. He decided to go out to the forest where he used to walk as a boy to clear his head and warm his spirit. As he entered the forest, he noticed the little saplings of his childhood had grown into mighty oaks. The forest itself had matured into a paradise of nature. He lay down on a small patch of grass and fell into a deep slumber. After only a minute, he heard someone calling out to him, Peter, Peter, cried the voice. He looked up and astonished to see that it was none other than the old woman who had given him the ball with the magic golden thread many years earlier. How have you enjoyed my special gift, she asked. At first it was fun, but now I hate it, he responded. My whole life has passed before my eyes without giving me the chance to enjoy it. Sure, there would have been some sad times as well as great times, but I haven't had the chance to experience either. I feel empty inside. I have missed the gift of living. You are very ungrateful, said the old woman. Still, I will give you one last wish. I'd like to go back to being a schoolboy and live my life over again, Peter quickly responded. He then returned to his deep sleep. Again, he heard someone calling his name and opened his eyes. Who could it be this time, he wondered. He was absolutely delighted to see his mother standing over his bedside. She looked young, healthy, and radiant. Peter realized that the strange woman from the forest had indeed granted his wish, and he had returned to his former life. Hurry up, Peter. You sleep too much. Your dreams will make you late for school if you don't get up right this minute. His mother admonished. Peter dashed out of bed, began to live the way he had hoped. He went on to live a full life, one rich with many delights, joys, and triumphs. But it all started when he stopped sacrificing the present for the future and began to live in the moment. In our lives, we often find ourselves in situations we can't control, circumstances in which none of our strategies seem to work. Helpless and distraught, we frantically try to manage what is happening. Say a child takes a downturn in an academic and we issue one threat after another to get him or her in line and someone says something hurtful to us and we strike back quickly or we retreat. We make a mistake at work and we scramble to cover it up or go out of our way to make up for it. We head into emotionally charged confrontations, nervously rehearsing and strategizing. The more we fear failure, the more fervently our bodies and minds work. We fill our days with continual movement, mental planning, worrying, habitual talking, fixing, scratching, adjusting, phoning, snacking, discarding, buying, looking in the mirror. What would it be like if right amid this busyness we were to consciously take our hands off the controls? What if we were to intentionally stop our mental computations and are rushing around and for a minute or two simply pause and notice our inner experience. 
Learning to pause is the first step in a practice I call radical acceptance. Radical acceptance means do something different than the ordinary. Change up. Take a new route. Try something new. In pausing, a pause is a suspension of activity, a time of temporary disengagement when we're no longer moving towards any goal. The pause can occur in the midst of almost any activity and can last for an instant, for hours, or for seasons of our life. We may take a pause from our ongoing responsibilities by sitting down to meditate. We may pause during meditation to let go of thoughts and reawaken our attention to our breath. We may pause by stepping out of daily life to go on a retreat, to spend time in nature, or to take a sabbatical. We may pause in a conversation, letting go of what we're about to say in order to genuinely listen and be with the other person. We may pause when we feel suddenly moved or delighted or saddened, allowing the feelings to play through our heart. In a pause, we simply discontinue what we were doing. Thinking, talking, walking, writing, planning, worrying, eating, and become wholeheartedly present, attentive, and often physically still. A pause is by nature time limited. We resume our activities, but we do so with increased presence and more ability to make choices. In the pause before sinking our teeth into a chocolate bar, for instance, we might recognize the excited tingle of anticipation and perhaps a background cloud of guilt and self-judgment. And then we may choose to eat the chocolate, fully savoring the taste sensations, or we might decide to skip the chocolate and instead go out for a run or for a walk. When we pause, I know what I would do. I would not skip the chocolate. (laughs) When we pause, we don't know what's going to happen next. But by disrupting our habitual behaviors, we open to the possibility of a new and creative way of responding to our wants and to our fears. Of course, there's times when it's not appropriate to pause. If, you know, if a child or us are running towards a busy street, we don't want to pause. If someone is about to strike us, we don't want to stand there and just take it. But if we're about to miss a flight, race toward the gate, but much of our driven pace and habitual controlling in daily life does not serve surviving and certainly not thriving. It arises from a free-floating anxiety about something being wrong or not enough. And even when our fear arises in the face of actual failure, loss, or even death, our instinctive tensing and striving are often ineffectual and unwise. Taking our hands off the controls and pausing is an opportunity to clearly see the wants and fears that are driving us. During the moments of pause, we become conscious of how the feeling that something is missing or wrong keeps us leaning into the future on our way, 
perhaps to somewhere else. This gives us a fundamental choice in how we respond. We can continue our futile attempts at managing our experiences, or we can meet our vulnerability with this wisdom of radical acceptance that I call. Through the sacred art of pausing, we develop the capacity to stop hiding, to stop running away from our experience. We begin to trust in our natural intelligence, in our naturally wise heart, in our capacity to be open to whatever arises. Like awakening from a dream in the moment of pausing, our trance recedes and new ideas become possible. As we move into the busy holiday time of the year, many of us find our time being eroded by all things that we are involved in and that we take on and believing that we must accomplish. In our rush to do everything and to do it well, we might fail to find joy in the simple things in our lives. Such was the case of an experience that I had while living in South Africa. I'd been living there for about three months and had been a very busy and changing and challenging time for me. I had to get used to driving on another side of the road, having the steering wheel on another side of the car, shifting with my left hand. Those things came quickly. I had to adjust to living away from my partner, my friends, my family, and I had to adjust to being in a new culture and to be a minister to a new congregation. And my mode of dealing with all of these changes was to just keep moving forward and to stay actively busy. My list of things to do and accomplish each day was long and I was going about doing them in those quiet moments when I was all by myself. I was coming face to face with the reality that I was keeping busy but not really enjoying the uniqueness of where I was living and the opportunity that was being granted me. And so it was on a Monday morning and I'd taken the day off and it was my usual mode of operation. I made a list of all the things that I wanted to accomplish that day. Sounds familiar? I was eating breakfast on the patio enjoying the warmth of the sun and the smell of the flowers which were in my garden. And as I sat there, a young mother bird and her babies appeared on the patio. And I sat motionless and watched as the mother took care very meticulously of her offspring. It was a simple thing that I observed, but I realized that as I sat there how much I had taken the time to just pause and to stop the motion and the accomplishment of checking off the items on my list. Sitting there that morning on my patio, I experienced taking the time to pause. I made a commitment to myself that day I would make sure for the rest of the time that I was living in South Africa that I would remember to pause. And for the remainder of my time in South Africa, I kept that promise. My days off became times of discovery, and many times I find my, found myself doing nothing except watching and listening to the unique sights and sounds that were all around me. 
Since living here in Peoria, I have found and taken time to pause in many ways. Sometimes I take several hours of a day and do nothing except create a work of art. Other times I spend sitting and practicing music for the Heritage Ensemble. <laughs> and many times, after a long day of ministry work, I find myself, when I arrive home, going to my favorite chair and just sitting in quiet and pondering. This simple, simple act of pausing provides me with insight, clarity, and connection to myself and to the world around me in ways that I have never felt connected before. So what about each of you? How do you take time to pause? What do you do that keeps you and helps you to slow down and to pause? Do you find yourself rushing from task to task? Do you tell yourself and others you don't have time to get everything done? Or maybe you're pushing past your limits, operating 110%. For weeks on end, it might be time to push the pause button. I was talking to an individual recently who was venting to me about his ability to catch up at work. He was very behind and new work was piling up faster than he could get to it. And I suggested that he take a break in order to evaluate his situation. He responded, take a break, I don't have time to do that. Ironically, a few weeks later, he called to tell me he had fallen ill from exhaustion and had to take a week off from work. So you see, if you don't push the pause button, sometimes life will push it for you. It may seem counterintuitive, but sometimes you just need to stop in order to get Pausing to ask yourself, what, how, and why are you doing things can be exactly what you need in order to resume moving forward. At times, you may simply need a break to recharge and prevent burnout. If that occurs, you're going to spend a lot more time recovering than if you had taken a break in the first place. When you find yourself constantly rushing, take a moment to pause, especially at this time of year. It may be time to catch up to evaluate your actions. Everyone needs a break from time to time. So press pause today and get yourself back on track. What do you need to press the pause button? Take a minute and think about that. And paying attention to our lives is paying attention to when it's time to push the pause button. I particularly love a way in which in the Zulu culture, which is the second largest culture in South Africa, I think they have this down because they greet each other by saying, I see you. And then the response is always, I am here. And that call and response has struck with me. By seeing you, I bring you into existence. And by saying I am here, I am validating your observation. It acknowledges the human need to be seen fully and completely. And it reminds me that I am part of we 
and that we are not alone. And by pausing and paying attention in your conversations with each other, may you say, I see you. And may the response back be, I am here. May it be so.